Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Let's jump right into today's episode because it is a fun one. We have Donna Steele. She is a performer and improviser and coach and instructor and all-around goofball. We actually crossed paths before moving to New York, but now I am coaching her improv team at the Magnet Theater, and we've become good pals, so we have a really fun talk. Why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Donna Steele. Donna Renee Steele. I'm just making a guess at your middle name. Wow, I would love to be Donna Renee. I'm Donna Ashley, which... Donna Ashley. Donna Ashley, yeah. My parents still call me, and a lot of my old friends... Oh, you went to school being referred to as Donna Ashley. Yeah. So my mom and my dad and my grandma and my brother all called me Donna Ashley. And so I think all of elementary school, well, I was homeschooled part of elementary school. So the beginning of elementary and the end of elementary, I was Donna Ashley. And it wasn't until sixth grade that I switched to just. Oh, and so when you had a substitute teacher and they were Mm -hmm. going through roll call, they would go, Donna Donna Steele, and you'd be like, it's Donna Ashley. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> I was like, why am I doing this? Donna Steele is such a better, easier name. Donna Ashley's fine. It's just that it's the first name and the middle name, which people don't normally go by both. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, the South. Yeah. Very Southern. It's very Southern. Yeah. Bubba Ray. Yeah. That's very yeah. stereotypical. <laughs> Bubba Ray. No one really, you know, really know too many people named Bubba Ray, but. My mom was Mary Sue. Uh, see, yeah, that one's Mary Sue, Peggy Sue. Yep. Those are, those are common, but. Uh, a dying time. That is a strong name. Thank you. Donna Renee also works. Yeah, I like, we can go by Donna Renee for the remainder of this podcast. <laughs> Actually, my friend Steve House, who's also a improviser up here, we did improv together in Richmond and he's brilliant, very funny. For some reason, we've just had bits over our 10 plus years of friendship where our names have changed, but I've been like Rhonda, like Donna Rhonda or just Rhonda. Like, <laughs> it's absolutely re- other elderly white women names. I feel like that's what Donna <laughs> is. And then Steve just finds other ones that fit. You know? Well, Donna Renee's the new one. Yeah, Donna Renee. I'll just call you Renee. Okay. Next time I- <laughs> that's good. In all practices. So Yeah. I have a note for you, Renee. Everyone's like, what? Right. <laughs> Who? You mentioned that you're from the South. You're from yeah. Richmond, Virginia, originally. I am. And you also went to VCU. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I went, but I dropped out. Okay. Didn't so, know that. Yeah. And did you start comedy while you were, did, were you going to coalition while you were a VCU student? No. So I was probably at VCU. So I went to community college. I went to J Sarge. And then at the same time was going to VCU doing some credits. And then I, that was probably 2010. And then I, because I actually dropped out of high school. So I was the year in that, what would have been my senior year, I was doing college courses. 
so yeah. how did you you dropped out of high school but did you what requirements did you need to be able to go to the uh community college did you have to get like a so GED or like, something? how does that work no no i this is i'm skeptical of saying this because i it's a i beat the system in some way and other people do it but i with sarge you just take a test so i just took like an entry exam that placed me that was i guess equivalent sorry that was equivalent to the ged but it was just specifically for sarge and then they had I was able to take some like a la carte classes at VCU to eventually I was going to transfer there for art. And uh, I was doing art classes there. And this was before their art program became very about, which makes sense. It's like the number one public school art program in the country or whatever. But yeah, so I just took a test. But it's interesting because I was trying to go back to school up here and I have to get my GED, even though I have enough credits to have like over the amount of credit needed for like an associate's degree. Mm -hmm. I still had to get a GED because of New York state laws. And so just like three months ago, I got my official high school in the mail from the state of New York. So I actually <laughs> completed high school in New York. Oh, interesting. As a 30 year old. Yeah, that's, great. <laughs> that's really great. How did um, you drop out of high school? I just hated high school. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. That checks, and that checks out. it checks, it checks. I mean, given my personality, no, I was, I mean, I was friends with a lot of people. I was very artsy. I actually got in kind of a weird relationship with someone who was much older than me. And I think that did it. I was like hanging out with all of his friends and mm. I just felt what it was like to not be in high school. I, I never like fit. I think I've always kind of been a little bit out of the box and uh -huh. they wouldn't let me graduate early. I actually had enough credits, but like they wouldn't, they wanted me to finish, which I, I get. But like my senior year, I I was going or my junior year. I literally was going for two classes and then so I was only there from like 9 a.m. to 11 or 30 or something. And uh -huh. then I go and work. And, and so I already wasn't going to high man. school. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which wasn't, you know, your girl was groomed. Let's just. <laughs> OK, let's just put it out there. But yeah, I mean, I would I don't regret it because I I've had like crazy opportunities and experiences. And I started comedy right at 18 at coalition and i met you know my best friends have forever and because of the theater like tangentially is how i met my husband like through a theater connection so if i had never started doing that i would yeah. be here yeah but i do have a very unique education background um that's a little convoluted yeah and then you dropped out of vcu probably just because you had work opportunities yeah, so I started a production company with one of my friends and we mm -hmm. were doing film and photo and I then I started working for Gloria Steinem at oh, uh, wow. Soapbox. Yeah, so I was doing like speaker events and I just was making money. And so I was like, I don't, well, why, why am I going to school? <laughs> and I never knew what I wanted. I've never been like, I love school, you know? And so I think <laughs> been able to find, I've been very fortunate to find opportunities without that. And, you know, I think now I'm at a point where I do want to go back to school because I want to actually do something. Like I want to go back for writing and like script writing or like screenplays. And that's something I would really enjoy. So I think now I'm, my brain like wants to do it versus before if I had, anytime anyone's like, you have to do this thing, uh, I just refuse. You know, that's been oh. my personality forever. Not great. As but, your your improv team's coach at the Magnet, I see that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you don't see that. You give me a note. I'm just like, 
fucking face. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Let's do all this. <laughs> no, no, no. I love having you as a coach. Oh, I appreciate that because you're fantastic. Yeah. We crossed paths, kind of. Uh, did we officially, we didn't officially meet at a festival, did we? No, I think we've just seen each other yeah. at festivals. And then you friended me on Facebook and I was like, oh, we have all these mutual friends. Right. Yeah, when I got positioned as your team's coach, I was like, oh, Donna Steele. Well, I saw the name. I was like, who's mm -hmm. that? And I, I went on Facebook and was like, oh, we have all these mutual friends from, yeah. <laughs> from Richmond and, you, and D.C. So you moved from Richmond and where the mm -hmm. Coalition Theater is and Second Best Fest, mm -hmm. which maybe we even crossed paths there. I don't know. I'm sure because I was at like every Second Best Fest until 26. 17 i think even that one i was at so maybe i would have been there when you were there yeah and then you move to dc and you start doing improv at the washington improv theater mm -hmm. was it 2017 when you went to dc yeah i guess so because i moved to dc in 2016 in october of 2016 because my chris my now husband lives lived there and we were doing long distance so i was doing a couple things ah. like i was taking workshops prior but then i started teaching in dc february march of 20 mm -hmm. it's only a couple hours away so if you like there could be easily some overlap of just like well I'll just we'll drive down or drive up yep. okay yep. and we were both at i think i guess maybe the first time was north carolina comedy arts festival now now it's no more but that, that was probably the first time we saw it where we're Weren't we on the same show? Like our teams were on the same show or something? I think so. I think so. It was because we used to do the Coalition All-Star shows where we would just send. Not, I, I think I don't even think they were called All-Star shows. It was just like a whoever wanted to the go training, to the festival oh, from right, the, the Coalition. The touring company, yeah. Yeah, the touring company. Exactly. I think we were. I can't remember where. We had a really cool stage that we performed on, though. And then we had it was a really fun after party at a local bar. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think if that was the festival where I met because Kevin Allison from Risk did a podcast workshop. Was that that festival? Do you remember? I, I should know. Recall. I don't recall because there was so much that went on at NCCAF. Like so much went on there. What a great festival and an opportunity for people to connect. And I think in general, there has been a de-emphasis on, is that a word? Yeah. I think so. De-emphasizing festivals. Like, I don't know. I think I just had a really golden era. Maybe you did, too, where we were going to festivals all across the country. And I got to learn from so many amazing people. Yeah. I wonder if the pandemic messed that up because there are so many festivals that yeah. like Second Best happened in 2019. And I guess, again, this year and they didn't in between. Mm -hmm. So they had a long break and there are a bunch of other theaters who had a long break like that or didn't survive and then also everyone just adapted to like zoom prov and That's teaching true. online so it's good for people still getting exposed but nothing beats live performance like being there for it and yeah. so but if it's so easy and you know it's expensive to travel and everything people will just kind of go to what's near them i feel like, like right. we'll, might hop over to Steel Stacks or, you know, Sixth Borough or one of the festivals around here. Sixth Borough may have changed your name. And yeah, I think it's like Jersey City Festival now, I think. But 
and then there's also the, you know there's so many around and then so many in new york city that maybe people aren't traveling a- around as much but right you know i know there's a lot of problematic stuff that was happening at apparently among the producers at nccaf but yeah at least you know that's what the accusations were and you know i get that i don't want to make it seem like i don't want to diminish that but that festival did really expose you to a lot because there's so many stages and so many people and workshops were kind of built in you didn't like there are workshops you could pay for but there are workshops you didn't have to pay extra for at that festival which there are another fest there are no other festivals i've experienced that do that no no and i mean we you know hell yes fest in new orleans i know there's also it's it's people just ruin stuff you know Um, i don't know if it's still going but that was another one where it was problematic management but like i got exposed to north coast there i I took her at an incredible workshop with north coast and their beatboxer who can't remember her name but she's like one of she's like yeah, she's like the number one beatboxer or something in the country, if not the world. She was a I don't know. world she was champion incredible. beatboxer, and she was on the podcast. Really? Yeah. I love her. She's amazing. Oh, I gotta go yeah, first time I saw her was at the New South Comedy Festival at Alchemy Comedy in Greenville, which is a great mm-hmm. festival. It's about to start in a few weeks. And I remember I was like blown away. And someone turned to me who had seen them before was like, and that's not even the best show I've seen them do. And I was like, wow. holy shit. And then I saw them at NCCAF and they blew the lid off. It was a better show than the one I was already blown away by. They were incredible. They're they're an incredible team. I, yeah. I think every time I watch them, even if they have a quote unquote bad set, it's like, that was great improv. And it was great. It's great musical improv, yeah. you know, in a way that I just haven't seen before. Yeah. I don't know. And it's yeah. the beat. I think it is the beatboxing element where you're also just in awe of this person who's like laying down these beats for them. Now Kayla's freestyle love supreme. That's how good yeah. she was. She was picked by Lin Manuel Miranda I to be the beatboxer. That. Yeah, Kayla's incredible. She's incredible. And I we also so and the nicest like, person too. The nicest person. And she, she like stayed after and talked to us and like taught us all. We were literally the whole rest of the time in New Orleans. We were all just beatboxing. I'm sure we were so annoying to everyone around us, but it was so fun. Like, I just really miss going and, you know, hope maybe we can with our magnet team. But like, you know, just going to places, doing festivals, meeting people like I did Austin Out of Bounds Festival and I got to compete. They have this show called Maestro, which was so fun. And I got to play with people from major comedy theaters, you know, like people who are writing for TV, and that was little baby Donna from Richmond. You know, got to Donna, do this really Donna cool Ashley. show. Little baby Donna, Donna Ashley. Ashley. <laughs> little baby Donna Ashley. Yeah, it was wild, and I won. I won the show, which was, I mean, it, to be fair, it wasn't like skill really. It was just you did a bunch of short form games, and then uh-huh. the audience voted on who they wanted to see. But it was such a cool experience. I, I really yeah. love festivals. festivals. Are so fun. I do feel like when you're not when you're somewhere like. Greenville or Richmond or DC going to a festival you're right like it exposes you to all these people from around the country or maybe even Mm -hmm. around the world but then you come to New York and there's so many shows every single night that it kind of feels like a festival which may also make you not go to as many festivals yeah that's very true that's very true (laughs) because like one one house team night that's kind of like going to a festival oh my gosh (laughs) Yeah, four hours of improv 
back right. to back. And it's well, free to you to see, you know, like at festivals. So it, you, you, we we got spoiled at festivals. Yes. And now we're getting spoiled at Magnet. That's true. We do get very spoiled. And then we're like, oh, I'm so burnt out on improv. We have, we're so lucky. You we know, are. So it's, people... It always takes going somewhere else and experiencing something different and being like, oh, I miss my place, you know? Well, yeah. and I think I have, you know, I try to... When I moved up here, I knew there was going to be a situation of like outside. I needed to pay my dues. You know, there was like outsider syndrome that happens anytime you move to a new city and try to get in, especially in New York, where everyone is there is more of a competitive nature. But I think there is where there's also it's actually really supportive. I mean, yeah, even Magnet's with, really you know, I just auditioned yeah. and Pitt, I would say like I was welcomed yeah. into kind of Pitt space. And mm -hmm. even with UCB, like auditioning for UCB, everyone has been so nice and like congratulatory. Yeah. Well, I think there's going to be a different it. culture there. Right. I mean, they were the ones right. that people really complained about. I never took classes there, but that was the, the place that people really complained about being so cutthroat and and competitive. And like not just competitive with talent, but competitive in that someone is trying to undercut you. Um, right. But I think that culture is is probably going to change since it was so thoroughly called out. Yeah. And I think it already has in L.A. You know, I think I have friends there that are performing on Herald teams and at the theater. And I have my friend Soleil is doing this incredible show where he has writers who are out of work from the writer strike pitch oh. ideas and then improvisers. Oh, that's cool. See the ideas. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it, it just seems more collaborative and supportive. And when I moved here, you know, and even when I moved to D.C., my biggest goal was like, I just want to make sure I'm one of the people in the room that's like supporting other people, like being really nice, uplifting, because I just know that feeling of being so cut out of something. And mm -hmm. that doesn't breed good comedy. No, you know, like improv is literally yes. And like we're all supposed to be working together. So why would we not do that? in our real lives too if if we can so right. I, I don't know and, and maybe that just comes with mature like just growing up like being an older improviser but or older comedian but I was lucky enough to like find people right when I moved here that I became friends with and they were like yeah let's put you on the show let's do this thing you know mm -hmm. that was that was bred here too like there was a right. sense of oh you're new we want to get you in and see what you can do and it there's was so really many nice. opportunities for that here yeah and there's so many people who are just like good hearted people who just want to play with new people. And, yep. you know, you're really funny. So people instantly are like, oh, she's great. Let's you know, she knows what she's doing. Thanks. <laughs> so Very let's sweet. Get her on a show. Yeah. This well, is the compliment have... part of the podcast mm -hmm. where you just compliment me for a long time. We just mm -hmm. do and... a compliment back and forth. <laughs> well, I don't expect oh. the back and forth. I just I, I, I you, like it. People who've listened to previous episodes are definitely like. Oh, Jason likes to it, it likes to affirm people. It definitely gonna. That's what I mean. I think that's like that's a big thing where I was talking about where if you have if you're doing good work or just if you're working like, I think young improvisers get so discouraged because yeah. after year two or three of doing improv, they're like, I suck, you know. And it's that it's totally that roller coaster hump of like, okay, year you hit year two and you just kind of stall, mm -hmm. if not get worse, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and you're like. Because you're so in your head. Yeah. And I just think affirmation is so important to everyone at every stage. And just like listening. I don't know. I, I had that. And I was really grateful that I had it where people were like, you're going to, it's going to suck for a while and then you'll get better. You know, you'll figure yeah. it out. And that roller coaster is still like, I just was at a low when I yeah. moved up here. 
Mm-hmm. I really felt out of groove with comedy. And yeah. I had to remember like, okay, you're funny. And people being like, Donna, you're funny. You know, it's it's helpful. It's helpful. <laughs> it is. We all hit that. I hit that too. Where I I I think when I moved here, I was go I was on the uh because I was like mm-hmm. studying at a new school and and I really admire all the teachers that I had and was just learning a lot. Where were you? I was coming from the Alchemy Comedy Theater in Greenville, where right. also great instructors and a great community. But obviously, when you move anywhere, it's going to be completely different. And mm-hmm. also, I just really love the style and approach of the magnet and feel like I'm better at that style than other styles. And I was able at first to just really feel like I was getting better in a way that I really wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. and was really interested in and then i felt like at some point within the last year i think i started really noticing that like ah oh, i'm not doing anything any good and lately like the last 3 months i was like dealing with that in the last few weeks i've been like hey i really feel like i'm going back up yeah. again <laughs> so it's we well, have a very funny show wednesday oh thank you yeah i loved it yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah, and I I had a really fun show. I, we sat in, Justina and I, fiance of the show, Justina Ooh. sat in with ADX this past Saturday. Nice. And I had Friday night show on Friday, which I joined that team, which has been great. And so and I, like, we had a really fun show on Friday. And then the Saturday show was like kind of beyond. It was like the, the storyteller, Danny Forrester, crushed. That's amazing. And the show was just like off and running. Like all the sets were super fun and the audience was great. Because you can have a good show in front of an audience that's having a good time, but they aren't as vocal. Yep. And so you're like, I don't know if that was any good. It feels like it was right, but it didn't come together with the audience like I'd like it to. Mm-hmm. Saturday was one of those shows where the audience is really vocal and responding. and it's like, oh, we're this is awesome when we when we feel like we're doing a good show and they are really enjoying it outwardly. Those are the yeah. best nights. Oh, yeah. Well, at ADX, I feel like draws that because you get a lot of people who aren't improvisers. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I watch it. I have to really catch myself because I'm enjoying a show fully, but I don't necessarily laugh out loud. And I don't even laugh out loud at like tv you know and so if i'm in an improv space i have to not that i'm fake laughing but i have to be like okay donna laugh yeah like you have to like fill the reminder yeah exactly yeah but i'll be like oh that was funny yeah exactly that's what comedians especially stand-ups because they're always like thinking about the premise they're like oh that's good that's funny yeah like they're not actually exactly But we're and, thoroughly enjoying it, you know. Thoroughly. It's funny. I it's always fun when people start tickling you, though. Like yes. there were always teams that really tickle you. You all were really tickling me on Wednesday because our teams were paired together, and which was great because I didn't have to stay all four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some days I have to do that when <laughs> as a coach. I know, now. but which I I don't dislike since I I do love all the teams, but. Sometimes that's just like a long night and I need to get home earlier. But um, it's interesting coaches like where I'm from, where I'm from. No, I like, but in, in, in DC, like our coach didn't come to our shows really. 
I guess we did for Herald Night. Like I would go to my team show Herald Night, but for ensembles and stuff, we didn't really go to shows. We just mm. had practice. So it is a new thing for me to have you there. And I'm like, wow, you have to come here. Oh, I guess you're performing too, but it's like, wow, this is a long time commitment for you. Yeah. If you all are on here. at seven and glitters oh. on at 10, then I'm like, oh. I got a 10 o'clock show. Yeah. But then we get <laughs> to hang out with you, which is nice. Yeah. But you all were crush. Oh, you're such a great team. Janet's a really solid, solid team. So if anyone yeah. listening, if you're in the New York City area, <laughs> definitely check out Janet. I do want to go back to something. So let's go back. When you were in D.C., when the government shut down once, there were a bunch of furloughed government employees. And yep. the WIT did this thing where they got free classes. And you were teaching at least one of those classes, right? What was that experience like? It was, it was incredible. So I was lucky enough around that time, I was the education fellow at WIT. So I was learning how to like create our curriculum and create, you know, work with teachers. And Jonathan Murphy, I can't say enough about him, who was the director of education while I was there. And he really saw, WIT is a really interesting place because a lot of people come to DC, a lot of spouses come to DC with comedian spouses, right? Oh, so like we get a lot of people from Second City, from New York from UCB from California. Joe Scott was like on Joe Para Talks with you and she came and coached and taught and like we just got this wealth of information. And then we also have district venue comedy with Pete Bergen where like he brought he would bring like Luke Knoll, SNL SNL alum, like all these just amazing people. So we had a really fun vibe and I think a vibe that people knew like, oh, like Wit was a trusted authority right on the on the comedy world so when everything shut down i can't remember whose idea it was but it was like oh we should host these free workshops for furloughed employees and i got to teach like two or three of them and my friend ben taylor who's up here now he taught one with me and we had like 80 people i mean we we constantly like couldn't we had to turn people away like it was we just didn't have the space and so then it got to the point where we were on the fourth by the fourth one, we had like four different instructors going and we each had maybe 20 to 30 people like in our group, you know, that we were working with. So it was a huge group of people. And we did these improv workshops all across the city normally, right, where it was like a free free view. And we would do a two to three hour workshop just to get people interested in improv in all the different wards of D.C. And we even had classes like in Anacostia at the Anacostia Art Center to make sure it was accessible to everyone. Like it was a really incredible curriculum and like space to just foster this community and so these furloughed workshops like we it was different than anything i've done because people were traumatized you know like people were like we don't know if we're gonna get our jobs back like we don't know and this was after like dc was already in kind of turmoil just in general in the political landscape like everything was shifting and yeah, that so was that, around, that was what, 2016 that that mm -hmm. happened? Yeah, so that was no, right when. 20. Or was it? It was 2018 or 2019. Ah, it was, yeah, it was 2019. It was January 2019. Just looked at yeah, it. Yeah, because it was right before the pandemic, like a year, I guess a year before, right? A year and a few months before. And then when was, when was the occupation of D.C.? <laughs> When was the, when was the, uh, January 6th? Oh, that was years later. Okay. Yeah. But Trump was just elected, right? When the furloughed happened, basically. Yeah. I mean, a couple years prior. Couple, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we, right. We're in like a weird time where people are pissed, but 
they had been out of work already for a while. And I think so part of the the cool thing about it was like, I structured it in a way to be a little bit more like improv for anxiety courses where people were able to just be vulnerable in this safe space. And we we didn't shy away from like if they wanted to talk about political stuff or government stuff, which normally I would. But in this case, it was like, no, they like need to get this stuff up their chest. And there was this like great camaraderie. But yeah, we got interviewed. I was interviewed by NPR. Like Wit was interviewed by NPR. I my I was translated into like six different languages, but different news. Like we had news come. And then yeah, we you got had a good pushback. line. You had a good line. Oh, in did the I? Oh, you did research. You yeah. did research. I was like, how did you know about this? And I was like, I guess it's online for the public to consume. Yeah, but what was my you good had line? a funny line. It was, I'm excited that you're here. I also hate that you're here. Yeah. Since they had to be there for such a bad reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a great, it was, it was really cool. I had so many good opportunities like that and just really one of a kind. We also did this weird thing for a TV show where we had two people come in, one from a very conservative party and then one from like the democratic, you know, liberal world, like progressive. And we, they took this workshop to like build connections between the two of them to be like well maybe improv can help all this barrier so i taught that core i'd never seen it i don't know what tv show i think it was so wild she had like a full bedazzled like trump hat on it was just a very dc thing to happen you know but we had a great time we had a good time bridge some (laughs) gaps hopefully i don't know what year did you move to new york 2021 december of 2021 Uh, and, and so by that point, you had instructed and you were part of administrative staff mm-hmm. at an improv theater. You've been at two different improv theaters. Oh. Like I only went from Alchemy to directly to Magnet. So what mm-hmm. is, is it a different feeling to go from a place like Richmond to DC then to New York City? Like what was, what was that experience like? Cause it does become like a big fish in a, or like a big fish in a small pond to being like just a fish in a big old pond. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, so when I left Richmond, I was at the top of my game in terms of like where I felt, you know, I was doing comedy there from 2011 to 2016. And personally, so Chris and I had been dating from 2014 and in 2016, we broke up and it was this really, it was a really tough time for me. Like I, cause I, was certain I was going to marry him, you know, mm-hmm. and I was going to move to DC. And then we broke up. I, like commitment was just like, whoa. Well, I'm sensing a pattern here. You quit high school. You <laughs> quit college. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he quit me. Okay. He quit me. Doing long distance is tough, but it really did make me, I had kind of pushed comedy away a little bit because I was so focused on my relationship with him and making it work. And, you know, two hours long distance is really tough. It's, it's tough. close enough. Yeah, it's close enough where you can just pop in, but still far enough where you're like, oh, we can't just like be two normal humans with each other. It's a lot. And so I think it it was actually great that we broke up because it, I recommitted to comedy at Richmond and the theater in a way that made me really like get in touch with myself and what I wanted. And I, I was like, oh, I want to move regardless because I feel I love comedy. I'm doing it. I don't know what this looks like for me, but I love performing and I love the community. And I was just getting really good that, you know, in that year. And when we got back together, I was like, oh yeah, I want to move to DC just to see what else is there before we took a, took another step. Like I, I think we knew he's a news producer. So we knew eventually 
we would end up in a bigger city. And so DC was a great stepping stone where I feel like I got to DC and I was so fortunate because Jonathan, who's the education director at WIT, saw my years teaching experience that I had already and like just immediately put me in. And it was right around the time he was tweaking the curriculum. So he he had me and two other people from one, Jess, can't remember where Jess was coming from, but Annie was a UCB person coming from New York and she had moved to DC. And so he had us teach level one through five to like look at the curriculum and how it moved together. And I just became integrated like immediately. And I think that I think that pushed maybe rubbed some people the wrong way and like definitely mm. was like, who's this? And that's what I was talking about earlier of this like outsider thing where it's yeah. like, oh, who's this person coming into our tight community and then like given this opportunity that we've all <laughs> wanted for so long, you know? Right. But it makes sense that- when someone it's like if someone in one company gets on the like VP executive right. level. And then they go to another company. They're not going to start at the bottom. They're going to start at that executive level. Right. And it makes people better. You know, I think if you are placing people based on skill, like I always say, the best way to get better at improv is to watch it and to play with people more experienced than you. That's the only way to get better. And because you're watching people make moves and then you're experiencing those moves in a way where you can feel like safe and had. Yeah. And before that, clicks yeah it's sort of hard to see what people mean when they say it but it does click eventually where you start seeing like patterns and things that you just didn't notice before exactly and you start feeling you feel it improv is such a feeling thing yeah like you have to feel it in your body otherwise you have to feel what a bad move feels like and you have to feel what a good move feels like yeah i feel like the flow and rhythm is yep and how it feels to just be able to be like do a okay show where yeah. like you you know you're not nervous and you just go on and you like deliver like mm-hmm. i think once every improviser has that show where they're just like oh man that was weird i didn't even like warm up i just went out and i was like good you know it's like oh yeah that's that moment where you realize like oh you kind of get it you know yeah um, and it's coming out a little natural it's like when you're trying to do it it's harder to do yep than just doing it Mm-hmm. But like, how do you teach that? It really Time, is just like watch right? a bunch of stuff and notice yep. what you're noticing. And after a while, you'll start really noticing nuanced things. And then when you play a bunch, you'll start noticing nuanced things and you'll start making yep. connections from what you've seen and what you have experienced on stage yourself. Exactly. And you go like, oh, this is like that thing. And you just start it just starts happening and you don't know it's like the the only way to make it happen is to just keep watching and doing like there's no you can't like read a book and then suddenly you're doing it. And you can always tell the people who have like read it like who are so in their heads about it. And I, I think yeah. and we all are that way. Right. For a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. And then just something clicks where it's like your body like relaxes or like, you know, like I just did this big audition with UCB and I wasn't really nervous because I just had auditioned so many times. Like you just get right. to a point where you're like, I mean, I was nervous, but I wasn't like, there was people who were, you know, it's a big deal. It's there's a, big a different deal. kind and of nervousness. Yeah. There's the, there's exactly. the like, oh, I hope this goes well nervousness. And then there's the right. nervousness that derails their performance exactly. where they're just like in their head and they just can't even perform normal or behave normally. Yeah. Exactly. And it's funny, like when you're teaching and coaching, for me, I'm really trying to get them to a place of comfortability where it's like, I just need you comfortable. I don't 
you don't need to be the most technically sound improviser, but I just need you to like trust yourself and trust your teammates. And that will produce good improv, like inevitably, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why it's like kids can do it really well. And why people in level one, when they just get kind of past the nervousness of that first class, they start doing really well. And then Mm -hmm. after level one, we start slowly getting more and more into our heads about good versus what I'm doing. And that's when we start thinking like, oh, I suck. I'm terrible. (laughs) When it's like, oh, you're getting better. Don't worry about it. But that is what, like, that's that stage. I have a show that I love. I haven't done it in a long time. Maybe I'll try to put it back up. But I do improv with complete strangers, right? So, like, I'll pull someone from the audience who's never done improv before, and we do a set. There'll be, like, three people on stage. And it is such, well, one, it is a flex to be able to be up there, like, okay, I'm doing good improv. I'm so good. I'm so good. I can just grab anybody. Guys, you fucking know about Data Ashley Steele? (laughs) <laughs> but it's the thing about it is like they are good. You know what I mean? Inherently, because they don't they're not in their head. They know nothing about it. They the principles of improv we teach people who have never done improv do it without yeah. us having to teach it. Right. We're yes anding. We're accepting what's happening. We're gifting. We're having mm-hmm. conversations on stage. We're building relationships. They that stuff comes naturally, just like being a person. Right. And then as the experience, you just. You yes things and you build the world. You seize on the fun that they bring to the scene. Exactly. You you ignore yeah. the stuff that won't help. And they're just going to go yeah. along for the ride. They're not exactly. going to like force. Like the thing is, someone who's never done improv before and they're just like up on stage, they're not going to force anything because they don't nope. have an agenda up there. They're not trying to show off. If anything, they don't want to be up there. Right. Right. So if, exactly. if, you, if you get them open enough to just say stuff, then they're not going to be like, no, I'm just, you know, like mm-hmm. once you yes and what they want, they're they're just going to keep focusing on the thing that you brought up. So if you start trying to address all the like stuff on the edges that they did, that's not experienced. Yeah. <laughs> if you just ignore that stuff. It's the same when you do like the mixer at Magden on Wednesdays. It's like, okay, here's someone who's off the street, basically. Just ignore the stuff that doesn't help and seize on the fun thing. And they'll just keep going with that. Yeah. And everything's a gift, right? Like, I think that's like what we always forget. And that's why I love doing that show is because it it reiterates to me like it like is good for me and my own performance of like, oh, yeah, I can play with anything. Anything is a gift. I need to make this person look so good because they are like up here being vulnerable, being scared. I need to just like help help them look as good as they can. And it makes it magic, you know, and I think we forget in improv's core, it's magical and it's beautiful. It's this like really just amazing, weird thing that we do that like people connect with. But yeah, I think so. I mean, this was all a tangent to say (laughs) with with was really incredible and prepared me and I think I was really fortunate and I got on Hellcat which was the all-female team there and we were like really a powerhouse and just mm-hmm. so many good improvisers it made me so much better playing with them and I didn't know what to expect coming to New York honestly because I was like there's been a little bit of frustration I will say because I, I'm like I want to teach like let me coach but you know I I had I have to pay my time here it's a different beast and yeah Some of it is just like people seeing you enough 
and then right. finding out that you coach. And it's like, oh, I really like her improv. But if they don't know you yet because they haven't heard your name enough to associate it, you know, like it's just it's just that part. It's not even like a pay your dues, like you got to scrub the floors. I know, pledge. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you do have to pay to play a little bit, like you know everything, which I think is good in some. Yeah, point, and that right? you have to take classes to get yeah. on the team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that and happens. You, yeah, yeah. You know, you're taking the classes. You're then you're able to audition. It mm -hmm. like helps the theaters. It like weeds out, not weeds out, but it the people who need more time can take it, and then the people who are learning and growing. Because I think. I always can learn. I always want to learn and I always want to grow. And like taking the magnet classes, like Peter McNerney's class was incredible. And I would have never taken it had I had the opportunity to just audition and get on a team or whatever. I love and Peter's like, classes. Yeah. It's so, it was so, it was just such a good reminder to like be in my body. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I think you get to play with all these. I, I made friends and all these classes. Like we're never we're never too whatever to like take a class. I think that's something New York does well, where it's like puts us all in a very similar playing field, you know, and then we're there's opportunity for everyone mm -hmm. if you seize it and take it. You know, I was really surprised to get a UCB team because I didn't I don't have a lot of UCB experience. And I think I'm a little worried about that. You know, I'm a little worried to be like this outsider coming in because i mm -hmm. felt that before and i don't i don't want to feel it again but i i do like the people in my audition group were brilliant you know i was just really fortunate and your team like, they, is really solid your new team oh my god they're they're great i'm so excited it's, yeah zave previous guest of the podcast yeah is on that zave team was that wit too before, yeah you know he was we passed each other we were two ships in the night yeah um but yeah, yeah it's, that's it's, exciting we don't really know. I imagine they're still going to kind of teach more game centered. Yeah. I mean, they've got a manual they can use. So I'm sure that's still mm -hmm. going to be kind of the focal point there. But we we still don't really know how things are going to come out. Like we don't know no. what what the vibe's going to be. No. And I love I think everyone should just learn from as many different styles as you can. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough to learn a lot of different styles. And I think CB game heavy improv is fun and it can, it's like really, really great yeah. when it's really great. Yeah. And I think you can integrate it well into yeah. everything. So, yeah, I mean, that's, so that's the thing for me, cause I talk a lot about people making it all about their theater is the, right. the way to go, which I don't agree with. I think it really depends on maybe what the scene you're in. Like sometimes you are doing a scene and like the the best move to make it pop is a game centered move. Sometimes <laughs> the best move is a maybe a more relationship based move. And, you know, if people want to be grounded throughout, that's fine. But it doesn't mean it can't go to wild places. It just means you're taking it seriously. Everyone is responding like it's real. That's all grounded has to be exactly. to be grounded. Yeah. And so you can take little things that you've learned in different places or read in different books and say, oh, this works. This will help this scene work or this set work, or I see what needs to happen here that hasn't happened yet. And it's all just based, it's all informed by different things you've learned from different places. When you try to like wedge what you, what one book is doing into it, it's sort of like, well, there are a lot of different things happening here <laughs> and not all the things happening here 
match with that super well. So let's just like take what works. Yep. I think that goes back to what we were talking about about festivals too, where it's like, I think students of improv, st- <laughs> students of improv, especially newer people coming into it, mm-hmm. whatever theater they study at, it's like, that's their philosophy. And they just yeah. take it and they go. And I think that's a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's actually like you're saying, you should take parts of all different theaters and make that into your voice, you know? And like at Magnet, I think I might play a little differently than I would it used to be. And I'm mm-hmm. able to, like you're saying, right, you you see the needs of the team, you see the needs of the space, and then you you deliver that. But I wouldn't be able to get to that point had I not learned from so many different people and so many different exactly. philosophies. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I actually thought you were about to say you think that could be good for a beginning improviser because it puts like training wheels on for them. But I think the downside of it is that sometimes people don't realize they need to release those training wheels because there are other ways. And those training wheels are also going to hinder you from maybe certain things. Right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that is like, if you're, if you're studying, right, like you're really, really baby, obviously going through approach and getting your grounding is, is great. But if you're at a point where you're like trying to get on teams or trying to like start indie teams, even right. It's like, get a bunch of different coaches. Like that's, I loved getting a bunch of different coaches and notes expire. Like, I think you're totally right. Those trading wheels come off like notes you get you. If you, I think of improv as like a tool belt, right? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you need a hammer and sometimes you need a screwdriver. And, but those, I'm going to teach you what a hammer looks like. And sometimes you can use a screwdriver as a hammer, right? If you really need to. So like <laughs> you're gonna learn what each of those things are, but also learning when to put it back and like pull something else out. And I right. think that's my philosophy and coaching philosophy. And that's what I when I taught, I tried to do. Yeah, I really like something I heard, and I probably said it on the podcast before, but something that I heard Megan Gray say about how magnet approaches improv, which is they try to find out what kind of improviser you are and make improv work for you as opposed to saying, no, this is the way to do improv and we're going to make you do it this way because people have different strengths and weaknesses. They could be at different times of their journey. And it's all Mm -hmm. just like, here's some things that work. Here's just like, I think what's better to teach is what good improv is not the not a particular skill of improv necessarily yes. if that makes sense yeah like you want people to be able to see what they're doing and if it's like is this more advanced improv or is this really like novice improv like that's mm-hmm. you really want people to be able to see those differences and there's so many different approaches to improv that you can't you can't show them what strong improv is through just the one prism like there's yep. just so many different ways of doing it. Prism's probably not the right word, but I just mean you can't just show them through the one method. Right. I know. I think you're totally right. And I think at the, I, I, at wit, I think because we were kind of this melting pot, right? Like we had so many different voices teaching this, but we had a core curriculum, right? But right. The, the curriculum was really, not, it was not basic at all, but it was very rude of not, what am I trying to say? Like simplified. It was core it wasn't even simplified. It just was like the core improv principles. You uh-huh. know what I mean? It was, but it was oh, also yeah, taken yeah, yeah. from a lot of different people. Right. And like we had, and then whoever was teaching it, like Jonathan's goal was to get it to a place where every someone could just pick it up, teach it. And then it wouldn't be a lot of different voices. But I think when I got there, because we had these really skilled, incredible teachers who were coming from all these different places, 
they taught Witt's philosophy, but like they also saw the individual and like, what did, what does the individual need? And there was a pressure, I think, for on teachers put on ourselves to make these students really good because mm-hmm. we had to compete with like DC was such a small market. We had to compete with like theaters, like mm-hmm. plays, you know? And so we wanted to churn out like really incredible students to get them on the Herald program and get them on right. our weekend ensembles. And we did, and it was really rewarding to see. And like, I think I, I became a really good teacher there because I had opportunity to, to like take teacher trainings and to like learn from other people and to see what needed to happen for the individual student while like addressing the group. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what improv is too, is like you're an individual making the group look really good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do we, how do we focus on the person while still focusing on the team? And I, yeah. you know, the ensemble of it. And I don't know, I just think, I think what, okay, I can't say enough good things about when, and I had a very unique experience and I feel really fortunate to have had that, you know, and I think it prepared me for here. And I just encourage that, like for other people, if they have the opportunity to just study, like just go, just study other places, you know, like even up here, I've taken classes now with people from Pitt and Magnet and UCB. And it's like, I, you also just make connections. I don't know about you, like moving up here. Did you feel that when you got here? Were you like, whoa, like I'm now, I'm in a big pond. Like it's a very, we're in a C now, you know? You know, in improv less so because yeah. I was just so game for learning from the instructors mm-hmm. that I wasn't, because I was just like, oh gosh, I love these people. You know, Rick Andrews I know, was my yeah. level one and I knew him and I was just like, teach me, you know? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. what, So going into the improv part of it, that didn't throw me off. I think with the standup, it felt harder to like, find a place yes and that's part of why i don't do stand-up so much anymore even though i was like one of the main people running a show in greenville doing like for stand-up and wow was was opening for people a good bit but like here it's like it's just a bunch of open mics no one seems really open to talking to you and i'm doing the classes and then pretty quickly started an indie team uh for improv that I was like, I don't feel like going out these other nights of the week for to just sit around to do a set and no one's talking to me. So I just like got out of it. I was just like mm-hmm. not as interested. And that's where it feels like, huh, what do you do? But if I was only doing stand up, I think I would have found stuff because I just would have had more time right. to try different places. But I didn't want to put the time into it. I was like, I don't I don't want to jump through like like I'll jump through. I'll, I'll pay the dues. You know, like I'll I'll start at level one again in an improv theater and and learn because I have so much more I can learn and just build back up to where I can be a coach of a team or what have you. But I did not want to jump through people's kind of social bullshit. Yeah. Like those dudes I don't care for. I'm too old for that. Like, so I'm not. So I was a lot less like. Oh, these people are going to ignore me because I'm not like their buddy or like I haven't done enough here yet or whatever. No, thanks. It's (laughs) such a bullshit part of the the scene where it's like, I get it. You have to hang out. You have to be friends with people. And I want to in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. But like I've got a life, you know, you have a life outside of this in a way that's like just because of our age. You know, it's just because where we are in our lives. I think it's not I'm not 20. Yeah, I'm not fresh out of college. I'm not you know, I don't. I'm not yeah. looking for my people. I already know who my people are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
like I have a bunch of people. I have my life partner with right. Me. Like for an open mic, I really don't care to uh, play that game. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I'll, I'll be respectful at an open mic. I go, I watch everyone, you know, I laugh, I give a lot. And I, you know, I had a, I did a teacher training where she was like, you go into your class, right? You get there five minutes before seven, you walk in and you're on and you're on for two hours. You give 120% of yourself or two to three hours, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then afterward you leave. And it's like, you go back, you do, cause you have to recharge. And that's like, yeah. when I go into a show, when I go into an open mic, when I go into a class, that's like what I give. I say, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give 110% of myself here for everyone involved. And then like, if I have the energy after and wanna hang, maybe I will, but normally it's like, okay, I wanna go home and like recharge. And I, you know, we're all working. We're all doing a thousand things. I don't wanna have to pay social dues in order to like, I don't know, get a weird basement shift. <laughs> right. Just, I don't mean to sound shitty, but it's just yeah. But it's like it's I mean, like the basement vibe. shows aren't the problem in that. It's like no. you know, because like when it goes well, we enjoy that those moments, and we exactly. look back on them as the good old days, those old like back of uh, some coffee shop shows. But yeah. I don't want. I just don't want to deal with people's bullshit to exactly for that. Like, that's not what made those shows fun. <laughs> like getting yep. there was not what the thing was. It was like being together. So exactly. To Being together, supporting each other. Holes. Exactly. Shitty I don't know what to do holes. about that. You know, I, it's... I said shitty people's holes, and that's not the <laughs> way to jump through. Don't jump through those. I don't care who you are I, and what I, they're offering. I jump through a shitty hole. I'll jump through. <laughs> you have like done a ton hole. outside of improv because you had, or like maybe some things that are adjacent, or there's like a little overlap in the Venn diagram because you've you're you're talking about stand up. You've done some of that. Mm -hmm. And you've also had a a puppet show that you've been part a, a part of, or or like done puppetry. Yeah, trained by Sesame Street. When did this happen? That was in at Coalition. So that was another cool thing. Is we had someone who she was a trained puppeteer and and worked for Sesame Street. She was I can't remember why she was in Richmond, but then she went. She came back. I think she's working for Sesame Street now. And brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then in. We had other people in Richmond, like Richmond was this weird little puppet hub, I think. And I was doing puppet making classes too, like oh, in wow. college. So I was like trying to figure out how to get a theater degree without like doing acting. And I was like, oh, I could like go the puppet route, you know? And I just think puppets are so incredible. They're yeah. so, they are a lot. You know what I yeah. mean? They're these like, Jim Hitt was like a huge part of my childhood. and Yeah, me too. Yeah, Kermit right? the Frog like like this... feels like a real person, not like yep. a puppet. You don't look at Kermit because especially when Jim Henson was doing it, because it's like, yep. like you even might see the stick holding his hand, but you, it's like, that's Kermit. That's a, an alive yep. being. And they're your friend. You really feel like you're like friends with them, too, yeah. which I think is so... For me, it's like I watch them and it feels like they're my old friends. I'm like, oh, I'm just like watching this puppet or these puppets like they're real. You know, they're they're mm -hmm. people or I don't know what they're puppets, but they're they're alive. And like Fraggle Rock. I don't know. Did you watch Fraggle Rock? I did. Actually, uh, in a group text earlier, someone made a Fraggle Rock reference and I was like, hell yeah. I haven't heard a Fraggle Rock reference in a while. It's such a great show. Or like H.R. Puffin stuff. I don't know. Was that? I didn't. I knew about it, but I never yeah. saw it. Yeah. Well, I, I was definitely too young for it, but my brother was really into, like, we he was, do you remember Suncoast? Did people have Suncoast 
uh, movies or like Tower Records. Tower Records, I know of, yeah. Yeah, so I don't. My brother just like was obsessed. He wanted to be a filmmaker, and so he just got. He would just uh, get all these movies, VHSs, DVDs, all this stuff. We had so much media in our house, and HR Puff and stuff. He would get me these really old. He's seven years older than me, so he would like find these really cool old kid shows and get them for me on VHS or whatever from Suncoast, like special order them. <laughs> and then I, this was like pre-internet, you know what I mean? Like this is like when, what we did, but HR Puffin stuff, I had this box set and that was one of my earliest childhood shows was watching HR Puffin stuff, which for those you don't know, it's this big, it's a person in a puppet costume. There's a bunch of people in costumes, right? In these big mascot costumes. It's so trippy. I mean, they're definitely on acid, right? Or like something while making all these. And it's a real kid. And there's like a flute puppet that's so cute. And then there's other ones. There's like one, it's Ville, where like every person's an act, except for like a real person. There's one, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, which was like in California. It was like these surfer kids and these big sea monsters. It was just so magical in the sense of play. And they didn't like talk down to kids it was like they it was like a very intelligent yeah show you know and i think like i grew up on that and seinfeld and the yeah. simpsons and jim carrey like these things really informed my comedy and like Same. Who, who i am and, and then also i would know? have yeah. to throw in like gary shandling you oh know like I, I watched larry sanders show i don't at my yes. age i don't know why i was interested but i was super into it it's such like a great funny masterpiece you know i don't it, <laughs> yeah same with like like conan you know, yeah. I feel like Conan O'Brien was like huge or. Conan um, O'Brien's quotes right behind me in the wall. Oh, really? We love Conan. Yeah. But I yeah, Conan, I, just... I got a Conan pop. Oh, my God. Funko, yeah. This or makes Funko sense. Pop. This is like clicking into place now. When I watch <laughs> you play, I'm like, oh, of course he loves Conan. Of course he loves Conan. The year 2000 was like such a good. One of my favorites. Bit. Yeah. The fact that it when it got to 2000, they kept doing it and didn't change <laughs> the words. I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and Jim Carrey and him doing it together was like brilliant. Yeah. It was so brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I think these things like right when we get older. Oh, I think it's my left. Hand. When we get older, like someone said, you always just go back to the things that you really loved in childhood. And that's right. like the thing you should probably do, you know? And it's like, of course I want to do puppets because I was obsessed with them. You know, I would do puppets shit when I was little. And sketch, I think, you know, I was on a magnet sketch team. I've done some sketch. I'm not as I'd like to get better at sketch and writing, but it's that is an opportunity. Like when I wrote sketches, they were so weird. They were so weird. <laughs> and they were full of like, ideally in my ideal world, I would have puppets. I'd have people in makeup. I would have like crazy costumes doing sketches. You know, that's like what, what I love to like have these kind of grounded, weird realities. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, we'll see if I ever get there. I have a, I have a really fun demon sketch that will require so much work <laughs> to do to film but it's like oh man that'd be awesome to do all these different like prosthetics and just like weird stuff well but yeah i improv is definitely my love but these yeah. other things are you so you're still brain. doing sketch moving forward so i was on ghost girl at magnet and i i'm no longer on ghost girl i chose to leave the team which was really sad it was a really hard decision because i loved everyone on it and i'm writing now i'm taking like the reductress writing class, which is really cool. Oh, I want to take that too. It's great. It's really fun. And, you know, just like, I want to take a second city. I want to start doing second city writing stuff and get better. And I've just realized my time, I needed time to take classes and learn. And like, I learned from doing at Magnet, which was 
invaluable. You know, invaluable? Yeah, invaluable. Uh, yeah, that's the right word. If you want to say something kind. Yeah, that's the right word. What if I was like, no, I'm it. So, no, it was it was great. And I think we should take a sketch class together or we should do That'd a writing fun. class. It'd be yeah. fun to do stuff together. I want to do. I would I was, love that. I've talked with some people who are from the Carolinas that do improv up here. Like they uh -huh. said, like, we should do an improv show of Carolina people. And I'm like, oh, if I do that, we just have to add Donna as like a. <laughs> Yeah, it's Virginia, but it's close enough, you know? <laughs> very sweet. That's very sweet. I would love to do that. Yeah, that's like the bit, the running bit is I'm like, I'm from here too. It's like Virginia. No, it's Virginia. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's so, it was so serendipitous to have you as my coach too and just have yeah. some Southern. I did, it was not about to say Southern pride because I don't have that. But, you know, Southern. <laughs> southern connection. Connection. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. in the, in the big new york city you know yeah no it's true it's true and i was like oh wait a second when i saw like the connections yeah. with you i was like oh that's dope well we've yeah. reached the end of the episode oh my somehow. gosh How the did time we do has that? gone by like that i could talk to you forever <laughs> i know it's almost like we have talked forever. i know is this what you wanted is this the right thing for your <laughs> definitely definitely uh let's <laughs> create something together okay but I don't, I'm, I am interested in the puppet angle. Let's do this. If we were going to do a puppet slash stuffed animal show, because like my brother and I played with stuffed animals the way people use yeah. puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people just like hold their stuffed animal. But we were like essentially as little kids and growing up were using them and moving them like people move puppets. So they feel kind of alive. Oh. And we're essentially we're doing improv without knowing that we are doing improv. So it would be kind of funny to do a show. I don't know if it should be a sketch show or an improv show. But what so what if we did try to combine puppetry and stuffed animals? Oh my god, I would love that. What would that look like? It would be like we're playing, yeah, but it would they would be alive. Like they would be the characters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wait, what was your what was your stuffed animal of choice? What was your favorite stuffed animal to play with? We, I love Snoopy. Snoopy's my favorite thing ever. So I have like wow. a Snoopy. So Snoopy was my favorite stuffed animal. But we, I love Snoopy too. Love we Snoopy have so many nuts. Snoopies. Still like boys playing rough with each yeah. other, but we were doing it through stuffed animals. They're like the fighting and stuff. That's everything I've ever heard. <laughs> That's the thing. Like we made them get in fights and cuss each other out and stuff. <laughs> wow. Us playing. That's amazing. That's, I had, we had a big gorilla stuffed animal who was like life-size that oh, we would wow. do that with. And we'd play like as if he was a puppet. He was my favorite thing. I would like <laughs> sleep on him. Mm. Oh, Snoopy. So what are we, wait, so we're going to create it now? Are we creating well, it let's in just the like, future? What would that show be? Would it, would we have to do, would we do it as improv or would we do it as sketch? I feel like improv is what comes to mind for me. Yeah, we could do improv. I was thinking like, you know, because Conan had the the, triumph, think the of insult comic dog. Yeah. Yeah, you could. It would be funny to like pre-write a show with stuffed animals as like they're, like a Toy Story situation uh -huh, right? where it's uh -huh. like they're coming Thanks. alive. <laughs> but that could also be an improv show. It's like the cast of Toy Story does improv or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> these little baby stuffed animals on stage. And puppets. We can and do puppets. both. We can do both. We could have people in full costume like mascot costume <laughs> that would be hilarious that now would... i kind of want to do that 
I would do that in a heart. I have always wanted to do an HR Pub and Stuff inspired show that is like people in full costume. And I don't think I've ever seen that because I've seen, well, I've seen like puppet. I guess I've never seen, well, Hannah Chase, when there was like yeah. Zoom improv, Hannah Chase did stuffed animal improv. And then there, there are like puppet improv shows. But interesting. Oh, that's a great Zoom show. Yeah. To do stuffed animal. Yeah. That's like a really good idea. But I've never seen a show where someone is wearing the full garb of a like a mascot and doing improv. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. And you would just do formal improv. Like, I don't think you would call attention to it. I think you would just be this character doing improv, right? Like, like what do you mean? Like you're you're that character and like you're pretending like the character is an improviser? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah you yeah, just yeah, do yeah. grounded improv with like four or five people <laughs> in mascot costumes. And like what would Are this... we do this? I would think this in a heartbeat. That'd be so funny. Oh gosh. Oh, Jason, what would you be? What would you dress up as? Well, for Several years in Greenville, I did dress up as the Easter Bunny for a bubble tea store of my fr- for my friends, where I would show up what? as the Easter Bunny, and so like kids could take pictures with the Easter Bunny and get candy. Uh-huh. Easter Bunny. So that's the first thing that comes to mind: is dressing up as a bunny. <laughs> well, you'd be a perfect Easter Bunny. I feel like <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. The kids were like so cute. Oh, that's so sweet. I one time I dressed up as the Chelsea lot. Oh, I don't know if I can say this. I, I think I can. I think it's called my resume. The you Chelsea know, I was the Chelsea Lion for Chelsea, the uh, soccer team. Oh, oh, they had like a thing in D.C. and needed people to be the mascot. Oh, and that's so I fun. That. And it was very hot. Was very uh, yeah, hot that's the there. thing that you just get. You're pretty hot in it. <laughs> I wonder if you could. I wonder if we would have to have our faces like. Like we could have stuff built around. Well, us, you know, right? the thing about it is it would if your face is not showing, it would kind of force you to act with your body a little more. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be really fun. What would we call this? Off the field. Off the field. If they're mascots. Yeah. Or um, like, well, I guess Justin already has HR shove and stuff, which <laughs> I think that really endeared me to him. When I found out he had a puppet show called HR Shove and stuff, I was like, oh, okay, we're fans. Sorry, <laughs> you hate it, but that's pretty I'm, good. It was great. It's a great show, too. What yeah. What we call We're like, people, uh, too. Creatures. So there's mascots. I like creatures. They can just be like monstery creatures. Creature. Comfort creatures? No. Creatures from the green room. I was thinking about like creature from the black lagoon. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, I wanted to do a freaking Halloween show with like all the old universal monsters. <laughs> so fun. They're so sometimes. I'm trying to think of some improv, like a play on words. Like, what are all the things that come to mind about improv? So there's. Yes, and. Yes, and. Make em ups, jam, mixer. And if we're thinking like the mascots, we're just like, they're all animals, mostly animals. Yeah. So it's like creatures and mascot, sports, teams. Hmm. Hmm. What if it's like a kid's show that has these people dressed up as... Well, I, that's the thing. I'd want it to be for adults. Right. No, no, no. It would definitely be for adults. But like, what is oh, like, a, a, like a play show on... With the... Or like oh, Disneyland, yeah. like... 
Fraggle you know, Rock has... is a name. Oh, That's Fraggle like, Rock. We, how would we play off that? Uh, the Showbiz, Showbiz Pizza had what their. What is Showbiz Pizza? Showbiz Pizza was like, what's the other one? Where it's like that, the mechanical characters that do the songs, but they're like creatures. They're like. Uh, it's a kid's show? No, no. It was is like it... a pizza place. Oh, like Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese and, yeah. and Showbiz Pizza are very similar. Mm-hmm. Showbiz Pizza, I think, had a bear. Oh. And it was like a band of different creatures. Let's see. Okay, wow. I'm looking at how expensive. These are very expensive to buy. That's why we just FYI. rent them. Oh, yeah, we could rent. <laughs> oh, my God. Just rent a course. different one. Oh, what if that was in the name? Rented. Oh, yeah, rented. Rented mascot. The rental hour. The rent. Oh, that's really good. Because, right, furry is like the thing I'm avoiding where it's like we don't. True, because we don't want to get. The, get the wrong not, impression. It's not sexual. It's just yeah. good old wholesome comedy. That's not outfits. <laughs> How insane would those pictures be? They'd also, be just so thinking nuts. about like it would be nuts. And you'd have to be <laughs> so physical that like people's heads would pop up. Like I feel like things would happen. Oh yeah, know? which would be part of the fun. <laughs> How do we pitch this? Who do we pitch this to? Michael Lutton. Oh, Michael, listen to this podcast and hear our idea. Oh, we do need to come with a name, but I don't know what, gosh, like, there's oh, like, it's like an Barney, obvious name. Barney and friends, like, I love you, you love me. Right, yeah, so. Something uh, happy, happy improv family. Mascot madness, that doesn't, I like, what's alliteration? Big bird, big, big, big boys. <laughs> Birdies. Big birdies. I'm not, I'm not helping at all. It's I can't think of anything that's like a good play on words. Yeah, it would have to be like mascot madness or like mat mascot would have to be in the title. Or like what if it was super literal? What if it was like this is improvisers in rented mascot costumes doing improv <laughs> as characters? <laughs> I think that's I actually like the that. longest title in the world. <laughs> Creature characters. Creature um, characters. Improvisers in rented costumes. That's it. That's excellent. Oh, what is that? Uh, we're improvisers in rented costumes. <laughs> Explosion at the Halloween store factory. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Halloween Express comes to life. We're spirited Halloween. Like, we're spirited, spirited what if it's Halloween. Like, yeah, you know how it's like those things where they put the spirited Halloween banner. Uh-huh. Oh, that's another show, maybe, where it's like, oh, Spirited Halloween is renting yeah, the yeah, space. Yeah. yeah. And then you can like dress up however. <laughs> right, and to right, do right. Improv, that's but we're it. like selling the costumes, you know? That's it. It's Spirited Halloween yeah. presented improv right. show. It's like, or it could be like, like improv show, and then over it's the banner of Spirited yeah, Halloween. I love that. I love that Spirited <laughs> Halloween prevents it. And then we have to put the banner on the outside of Magnet, too. Like, we have to get a banner and put it on the outside of Magnet. This is what I'm saying. This is when my when I do shows, I feel like I have such compl- and like everything. It's like detail-oriented. You know? This is it. This is it's it. It's an experience. There okay, we it should is. Do this. We did it. We did it. We created something <laughs> together in longer than the podcast took. But look at this brilliant idea that we have that we're going to put up. Come see yeah, we're us. Gonna, we got it. We got it now. We got it. Oh my Donna, God. thanks so much so for good. being on the podcast. This was great. Thanks for having me, Jason. I love talking with you as always <laughs> and appreciate you as a person. Thank you. And improv. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was a fun chat. Check out her Magnet House Team Janet every Wednesday night at the Magnet Theater. While you're there, check out my house team, Glitter. We're paired up for the rest of October. Go to magnettheater.com for details. Keep up with news on her UCB team by following her on Instagram at Donna A. Steele or go to her website, DonnaSteele.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is and follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to ThereItIsPod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 